shows you the great power of God. Number two, it proves to you that Jesus is not just God, but the Messiah, the Savior. He is the Anointed One. Folks watching online, God bless you. If you haven't already, would you please write in and let me know how many of you there are that are watching. I'd really like to know that. And um, you can also um, join with us as, uh, as we wish one another a happy resurrection. The Christians would meet on the street, right? Back 2,000 years ago. They'd meet on the street, and instead of saying, hey, how you doing? Instead of saying, nice day, one would say, he is risen. And the others would say, yeah, let's say it like we mean it. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yeah, he sure is. And because he lives, right, we can face tomorrow. It doesn't matter what tomorrow may hold. Have you ever heard the story of the amazing Mr. Walter Williams, and you probably haven't. So I'm going to tell you about Mr. Walter Williams, 78-year-old gentleman, back in 2014. And he was in a, a hospice, if you know what that is. And he was kind of coming near the end. And so on February 26 of 2014, um, he passed away. And so they called the, uh, the county coroner. This was down in Mississippi in Holmes County. And they called in Dexter Howard, the uh, county coroner. And this is a man who was thoroughly familiar with death. That's his job, is he goes in and he certifies whether someone is dead or not. And so he came in and he, he certified that Mr. Walter Williams was indeed dead. He made the arrangements and he had the body put in a body bag and transferred over to the um, Porter and Sons Funeral Home in Lexington. But before the embalming process began, they noticed the bag was moving. Apparently, Mr. Williams was kicking his legs, and when they unzipped it, his eyes were open. Apparently, Mr. Williams wasn't dead after all. And his is one of those uh, few but miraculous stories of people that have died. And they've been certified dead by an expert coroner. And then he comes back to life. Well, there's um, some interesting stories about when that happens to people and things. But the point is, uh, here's a case of uh, the miraculous Mr. Walter Williams who died and a short time later, he's alive again. I guess he wasn't ready, was he? Well, about three weeks later, uh, Mr. Williams was ready, and he did pass away again. Only this time, there was no coming back. There have actually been a lot of people who have been certified dead only to wake up later. This is not all that unusual. And uh, it's happened down through the years. But here's the point. Every single one of them who's died and come back, they die again. They die again. Our Lord Jesus, He died. He came back. 
And he's still back, folks. He's not dead. I know there's scoffers. You know there's scoffers. I don't know if there's any scoffers here or watching online. But I know there's scoffers that say, ah, he didn't really die. Didn't really die. He just, you know, pretended or this or that. I'm telling you, it's baloney. I'm going to show it to you today. I'm going to show you that he is risen. Pray with me once more. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves. We bow our heads and close our eyes. And we ask that you would please once again show us the glorious truth. We can either believe the truth or we can believe lies. The truth is that Jesus rose from the dead. That is the truth. And we can either choose to believe it or choose to reject it. Father, I pray that every one of us here and watching online would choose to receive it and embrace it. This is the greatest truth ever because it has so many wonderful repercussions. It means so much. Help us all to be firm believers in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's alive. He's here with us right now. He promised where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Lord Jesus, we welcome you and bow at your feet. King of kings, Lord of lords, have thine own way in this sermon now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, open your Bible, would you please, to Matthew chapter 28, because we're going to take a look here at this uh, amazing story. We have, in the first eight verses, the story of the resurrection. The story of the resurrection. It says, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward um, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, uh, uh, see, I think I missed a word there, and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. All right. So here we have the first day of the Jewish week, which is what we call Sunday. That is the first day of the Jewish week. The resurrection happened on a Sunday morning. Folks, that's why we try to make the effort, eff, uh, extra effort. I'll get it yet. The extra effort to uh, be in church on Sunday mornings. Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday morning. That's why we have our, our church services on Sunday morning. Now, we could have our church services anytime we want, couldn't we? But for 2,000 years, Christians have historically looked forward to the first day of the week, Sunday. They get together. They get together in honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, don't let things keep you from being in the house of the Lord on a Sunday. If you have a choice of working on a Sunday morning to make double time or triple time, turn it down. Because that money will do you no good. Instead, come and be in the house of the Lord. Oh, pastor, you're just saying that because you just want people to sit in the pews. I want people to glorify God. Whether you come or whether you don't come really doesn't affect me. doesn't change me. I mean, I'll hurt for you, right? I want God's best for you. But you do it God's way and you'll get God's blessing. That's what makes me happy. That's what I like to see. And so, the first day of the week was Sunday. Sunday morning here, in fact. I got thinking about this. Here came these women. Um, what would have happened if the women, and maybe the disciples too, slept in that day? you ever think about things like this? What if they were up late, late the night before, Saturday night, watching the late, late show? 
Huh? Or what if they were up late, late, or even to the wee early hours of the morning, messing around on social media or on the internet or something, and they're just, oh, so tired. Oh, man, I can't get up. I can't get up. Well, they would have lost out on the blessing, right? You know, some days, I'll be honest with you, it's a little harder to come to church. Some days it's easier, and some days it's, it's a little harder. But it's always worth it. And I think, we'll, we'll know this for sure when we get to heaven, but I think that on those Sundays where we had to give it a little extra effort to come to church, that's when God decided to bless us. That's when He was happy with our faith, and He gave us a blessing. Either that day or that week, or who knows. We'll find out in heaven. And so, verse 2, we find, Behold, there was a great earthquake. By the way, I'd like you to, re- to notice something. Uh, when Jesus died, there was an earthquake. When he rose from the dead, there was an earthquake. An earthquake marked both his death and his resurrection. And so we have this uh, earthquake. Uh, an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. He rolled the stone away not to let Jesus out. Jesus had a resurrection body. He could pass right through walls and through stone. Nothing can hold back the Savior. The stone was rolled back not to let Jesus out. The stone was rolled back to let the disciples in. So they could come in and see it was empty. That's why the stone was rolled. Now, verse 5. The angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. You see, that's historical fact. He was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly, and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. (laughs) Did you know that Jesus told his disciples four times before it actually happened that he was going to rise from the dead? Did you know that? He told his disciples four times. Back in Mark, sorry, Matthew chapter 12, he talked about the sign of Jonah. And, you know, the sign of Jonah, three days, three nights, so also shall the Son of Man, you know, be in the heart of the earth, the belly of the earth, there three days, three nights. That was the first time. The second time was actually about one year before it actually happened. In Matthew chapter 16, when uh, Jesus told about his crucifixion. Uh, that's when Simon Peter said, ooh, this, shall, this won't happen to you. And he took Jesus to rebuke him. And that's when Jesus turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You remember all that? Well, Jesus had just told all the disciples that the Son of Man is going to be betrayed and you know, beat up and crucified and rise the third day. That was the second time. And then in the last week of Jesus' earthly life, he told his disciples two more times that he was going to rise from the, from the dead. You'd think they would have believed it. You'd think that they might have remembered this. But human nature being what it is, I suppose. But on the testimony of the angel here in these verses, the women believed. And folks, that's faith. That is what faith is. Faith is where you put your trust in what God has said. They had not yet seen the risen Christ. They didn't see him, and yet they believed the testimony of the angel. He's alive. 
In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the, it says that faith is the evidence of things not seen. They had not yet seen the risen Christ, and yet they believed in Him. Every one of you here today that believe in Jesus Christ, you have not yet seen your Savior. You will one day. And by the way, if you're here today and you have not trusted Christ as Savior, you are not born again, your sins are not washed away, you too will see Jesus. Only you'll see Him as judge, not as Savior. Everyone will get to see Jesus. Remember that. Um, I mentioned to you earlier that I was going to give you some proof. Let me give you a little bit of proof here. Lewis Wallace was an American lawyer. He was born in 1827, died in 1905. So you do the math. I think it's something like uh, 78 years he lived. And he was a good lawyer. He was not a Christian. And he decided he was going to set out to write a book disproving the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, Wallace was a very good lawyer. He knew what he was doing. He knew the business of being a lawyer. And he was a very able man. He was accustomed to examining all of the legal evidence to prove or disprove the truth of a historic event. A person must use the very same principles used by lawyers even today to prove or disprove the truth of an event related to a court case. Wallace was therefore eminently qualified to examine the writings and the behavior of the earliest witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, when it comes to proving or disproving the resurrection, a lawyer can probably sometimes be more suited for that job than, than many of the rest of us. And so Wallace set himself to the task of disproving the resurrection. He examined everything that was there to be examined. But contrary to his disposition, at the end of his, um, his journey, he concluded Jesus Christ did indeed rise from the dead and was seen by his disciples and Wallace became a Christian. Now maybe you've never heard much of Lewis Wallace, but maybe you've heard of the book he wrote. He wrote a book called Ben-Hur. That's the author, Lewis Wallace. In uh, 1959, they made a famous movie about it, Ben-Hur. It's all about Jesus Christ and a Jewish man who becomes a Christian. Anyhow, I'll let you look into that later. Another individual who was a skeptic, a strong skeptic, in the death, burial, and resurrection, ended up writing a book affirming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it was another lawyer a British lawyer by the name of Frank Morrison, and he also wrote a book entitled, Who Moved the Stone? Yet another lawyer, this time a famous Harvard Law professor, Simon Greenleaf, he was considered by many to be the greatest authority on legal evidences. He turned his talents toward examining the evidences for the resurrection, and he became convinced that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is an historical fact. Lee Strobel was an investigative journalist and a good one. He knew how to sniff out the truth and how to hunt down a story, but he wasn't a Christian. But his wife was. And so finally, to put, us, put an end to his wife's constant witnessing to him, he decided, I am going to prove to you that the resurrection is a hoax. It never happened. And Lee Strobel 
applied all his time, his talents, and his energies to this task of disproving the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lee Strobel became a Christian. He finally admitted, you you cannot deny the evidence is so overwhelmingly powerful. The resurrection evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive. Listen, don't you believe these people who say, ah, Jesus never rose from the dead. Ah, this, ah, that. No, don't you believe it. Because it is as true as you and I are here today. It is a proven historical fact. Listen, if you gather up all of the evidences of Jesus Christ, you will find that there's something like ten times, ten times the amount of evidence that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again, ten times the amount of evidence for Jesus as that there ever was an Alexander the Great. The world will never deny Alexander the Great. Oh, we have his, his history here. The people, eyewitnesses who've seen him, wrote about Alexander the Great. There is ten times as much evidence that Jesus lived, died, and rose again that there is compared to Alexander the Great. I tell you, my friends, it gets down to a matter of personal choice. And some people all the way into the pit of hell, will keep denying, denying, denying Jesus Christ. I pray it doesn't happen to any one of us here today or watching online. Now, verse number 8, it says, And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. Boy, oh boy, what is it that brings joy to our heart? It's news of the unexpected. You never thought it would ever happen. It was impossible for it to happen. But it happened. And that news brought incredible joy. Not just joy, but great joy. The word great is the same word we get like uh, the megaphone, megalon, you know, mega millions. (laughs) Terrible, terrible thing to say. But the idea of superlative, right? It's super duper joy. These ladies, when they ran, their heart was pumping away. And the disciples, when they heard, they, they were stopped in their tracks. They couldn't believe it at first. And they too thought, it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. But it was true. Against all odds, it actually happened. And they ran with great joy. Boy, the women, they thought Christ was, was dead. They didn't come to the the tomb to welcome his resurrection. They came to the tomb to embalm his body. That's why they came to the tomb. Boy, did they get a wrong number. They thought that Jesus had been a victim of circumstance and they came to embalm his dead body. But this unexpected news brought fear and great joy to their hearts. You say, why fear? Because I think they realized, hey, Jesus really is God. Because only God can overcome death. Only God can do this kind of thing. Man cannot do it. Well, these women ran as fast as they could to the disciples, their heads spinning with amazement and feeling inside themselves this overpowering joy because Jesus is alive from the dead. And I tell you again, oh, the joy that the resurrection brings us. It's unexpected news. Christ is alive. He is risen. 
Ah, I caught some of you sleeping there. I'll try it once more. He is risen. risen Yeah. Isn't that good news? He is risen indeed, and he's here with us today. You can't see him. You can't touch or feel him. Boy, I remember hearing once some guy, well, if, if Jesus is real, if he is real, let's see him pick up that lamp and move it across the room and set it down over here. If Jesus had done that, if we said, okay, Jesus, would you please lift up that lamp and move it across the room and set it down over here? And they're there and they're watching with eyes open, their mouth uh, gaping, you know, and they see the lamp lift up. There's, there's no wires, there's no one around it. And it goes across and it sets down. And we, we turn to them and say, now what do you think? The first thing out of their mouth, it's a trick. It's the first thing out of their mouth. Why? Because their, their disposition is disbelief. Disbelief. They have made a decision. I will not believe. I will not believe. I will not bow before Jesus. I will not confess to Him that I am a sinner, separated and on my way to hell. I will not do it. You know the Bible says, He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be cut off. And that without remedy. No one in hell gets out. Oh, but I'll repent now. I'm sorry now. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. They're gone. Sad news, isn't it? People have this life and this life only. Well, folks, here we have, here we have the story of the resurrection. But now we move to the slander of the resurrection. The slander. Look at verse 11 here. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Imagine that, soldiers asleep. Imagine that, sleeping soldiers who saw the disciples come and take the body away. That kind of evidence doesn't hold up in court, does it? That'd be thrown out. How could you know, sir, if you were asleep, how would you know the disciples came and stole away the body? That's a tough one. I mean, you really have to take some kind of crazy faith to believe in that kind of slop. Because it's a lie, that's why. You know, there are people, just as there were people then, there are people today that are trying to deny, they're slandering the resurrection. And they're trying to say that Jesus didn't die on the cross. He didn't die, he just kind of swooned. He went, oh, and he swooned into some kind of coma. And when they came and they, they checked, they said, this man is dead. And of course, they were stupid back then. They're not intelligent like we are today. They're stupid back then. Because they couldn't confirm that he was dead. And they're so stupid compared to us. We're so smart. Just like the coroner who certified that Wallace Williams was dead. And put his body in a body bag and sent him off to be embalmed. Now listen, I'm not calling down that man. Any man can make a mistake. But I mean, this man, there were guards all around. 
the Pilate, the governor, he wanted to know, is he dead? You don't lie to Pilate, the governor. You will be dead. <laughs> he was certified dead. They put a spear in his side, folks. He had already come through the trauma of the beating and bruising and the cat of nine tails. He lost so much blood. Yeah, he was dead. He was dead. That's why they didn't break his legs. He was dead. Oh, he didn't die. He just swooned. And then when they put him in the cool tomb, the cool air woke him up. I'm alive. And so, of course, he just jumped out of all of the, you know, they wound up his body, you know that, right? He just broke those. He pushed the stone out of the way. It took two men, was it? Two men or four men or something to put the stone in there. He pushed that away. He overpowered the guards, the armed guards waiting outside, and then he made his escape. Yeah, you believe that, don't you? Nah, he didn't swoon. The disciples didn't come. Oh, the women, they went to the wrong tomb. Oh, come on. That is lame, lame, lame. Those ladies, they marked where the tomb was. They didn't go to any wrong tomb. They went to the right tomb. Well, anyhow, people are always denying it. I'll tell you, over in England, many, many years ago, a couple hundred years ago, Lady Anne Grimston, in a little town in England called Tewin, T-E-W-I-N, Lady Anne Grimston, she said these words, It is as unlikely that I shall rise from the dead as an oak tree shall grow from my heart in the grave. Those were the words of, of this agnostic, this Christ-rejecting woman said by this woman in England all during her life. If you were to go to Tuin, England, you would see the graveyard and a plaque is nailed on an oak tree that has been growing out of her grave ever since. You can even see it on the internet. And her name was Lady Anne Grimston. Look it up later. All her life, she denied the resurrection. You don't deny what God says is true. Ah, my, oh, my, oh, my. There's so much evidence here. I'm, I'm having to cut things out of the message here for the sake of time. But I want you to see the slander of the, uh, the uh, resurrection. And by the way, today the devil has a new twist on slandering the resurrection. He tries to get our eyes off of Jesus and onto the Easter bunny. Now, I don't know if you're a fan of the Easter bunny or not. Okay, but the Easter Bunny and I had a falling out some years ago. And he and I don't get along so good. We don't see eye to eye. Because the purpose of Easter is not anything to do with the Easter Bunny. It's all about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you be careful that during this time of Christian celebration, you don't let the devil fill your head with eggs, Easter eggs. Now, if you want to do something for the kids, you have fun. But make sure that you talk to them about Jesus. Make sure that those kids go to bed tonight and they know what Easter is all about. Don't let them go to bed with a lie. You go, let them go to bed with the truth and tell them Jesus loves them. We need to guard our homes against this kind of thing. All right, quickly, 
We've looked at the story of the resurrection, the slander of the resurrection, and now the significance of the resurrection. And for this, I'd like you to turn to the right, to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 1. And we're just about done here. Galatians, Ephesians, chapter number 1. And let's take a look, please, at verse number 19. 19. I want you to see the significance of the resurrection. Ephesians 1.19. Paul is writing, he writes, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Wow! God has incredible power for us. The same power he used to raise Christ from the dead. That same power wants to work in our favor. To give us victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. To give us victory over temptations. To give us happy homes. To give us bright futures. To heal our lives from the, the corruption of this world and the effects of drugs and alcohol and, and uh, uh, greed and lust. And to get victory and to live clean lives and happy lives. And then there's so much more when we get to heaven. All I'm telling you, if all there was was just what we have in this life, it'd still be worth it. It would still be worth receiving Jesus Christ as Savior to get freedom from the bondage of sin. Freedom over vicious temptation. Freedom over nagging guilts. Freedom over fears of tomorrow. If all we had, I mean, if when we die, we die like dogs and there is no afterlife, it's still worth it to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior and to, to put Him first in your life. But the truth is, life goes on. After physical death, life goes on and on and on and on in one of two places, in heaven or in hell. Personally, I choose heaven. The world tried to keep Jesus Christ in the grave. The words of Pilate in Matthew 27, make it as sure as you can when they put him in that tomb. Nature, so to speak, made it as sure as she could. A large stone was put in the doorway, but up from the grave he arose. Amen. An angel rolled that stone out of the way. The Roman government made it as sure as they could. And they placed the Roman seal of authority on that stone. But up from the grave he arose. And that seal was easily broken. I'll tell you, the implications of the resurrection of Jesus Christ are far too many to to tell you today, but just a few, is number one, it shows you the great power of God. Number two, it proves to you that Jesus is not just God, but the Messiah, the Savior. He is the Anointed One. Jesus Himself said in John chapter 2, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. That was His own prophecy, and that's exactly what happened. The resurrection assures us of a happy future and eternal life with God in heaven. Romans chapter 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, they teach this. 
The resurrection gives us to the, the answer of many other questions. Because Jesus Christ arose from the grave, you and I have an answer for death. Because Jesus Christ arose from the grave, we have an answer to life. What is life all about? Because Christ rose from the grave, we have an answer to history. What is world's history all about? Because Jesus Christ arose from the grave, we have a foundation now for the truth. We need not be led astray in lies. Because Christ rose from the grave, you have the answer for justice. Criminals will not get away with it. Even though they they commit their crime and kill themselves, they will still answer for their crimes before God. Because Jesus Christ arose, you know something of the majesty and power of God. Oh, and on and on it goes. Listen, my time is up. But how should this affect your life and my life? The resurrection. When Jesus broke through the bars of death, how does it affect How does it apply to our lives? Christ is Lord. He is Lord. Lord is the one you bow before. Lord is the one. You know, one of the problems, I'm going to preach on this one day, is this world has no fear of God. They have no fear of God. I mean, it's it's even blazoned on bumper stickers. They say, no fear. That sums up the world. You, 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 don't, you don't do these things to God. You, you don't. Listen. If Jesus is Lord, we owe Him our lives. The very breath we breathe. If He is your Lord, then crown Him Lord today. If Jesus is not your Lord then fall at his feet and ask his forgiveness for your sin. Oh, but I've never pulled the trigger and murdered anyone. You have in your heart and you know you have. You've wished someone was dead. It doesn't take murder to send a man to hell, does it? There's a thousand other ways he can get to hell. All kinds of sins. Oh, my friends. Make Jesus Lord. If he comes back for us today, tomorrow, you'll be so glad you did. You crown him Lord once again. Would you stand to your feet, please? We'll have a word of prayer. I'd like to invite you to come on this Resurrection Sunday morning. I'd like to invite you to come on the invitation and make Jesus the Lord of your life again. He died for you. He rose from the grave for you on this invitation, on this Sunday morning. Would you do this? And folks watching at home, you can get on your knees and do the same thing. Now let's close our eyes and pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.